Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and the Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data, and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am joined with Graham and Alex from The Fifth. Graham, Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Roy. So I'm really excited to start this interview with the story and where the inspiration to create this company came back in 2014. So if you would, let's go through the uh, the journey that you've taken thus far. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, it's been a really interesting journey. We started in 2014 and... Uh, and, and in many respects, we had a, a dream kind of start to the business. We sold a thousand watches on day one of release and we, we sold out of production, which led to a problem of, you know, we weren't, weren't able to supply customers for about three and a half months. So what we did was we came up with a concept where we pre-sold on the fifth of every month. And so every fifth of the month, we would restock our watches and they were all pre-order. Customers could get them and and... What we saw was that that release mentality and 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 kind of uh, dropping things on the fifth of every month. That excitement generated a lot of demand for the product, and we saw you know really rapid growth in the business. Um, we 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 generated you know a, a large customer base, and we went on quite a journey with the business. That kind of yeah, kind of in many ways uh, we we launched. Uh, watches, we launched bags, we launched sunglasses, and 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 we kind of uh, we we went with the energy of the business. It was a, a fast-paced environment, and kind of here we are again today. You know, about to release something that's really exciting, something that's new, and um, and, and we're here to do it on Kickstarter to an entire new audience. So. We're on the 16th of September and we're launching a new watch, the 5th Swiss. So let's talk about the process of creating and designing new features, new watches. You know, you have five new designs that are launching today on Kickstarter. Talk about the process there from, you know, the, the evolution of new ideas that you guys come up with and designs. Sure. We've, uh, we've, we've actually got five collections, but 75 watches in total. So there's a lot of watches that have been designed for, for this release. So Graham and I, uh, we first met just over a year ago. Yeah, and, um, and, and we looked at when we met, um, Graham has a background. He was the ex-managing director of the Swatch Group and uh, you know, has, a, has a long history in watches and, and a love for watches which started when his kind of his father 
Um, well, I could let you tell the story, maybe. <laughs> Let's put it this way, Roy. Uh, we we have a watch brand that that is aimed at millennials, and the Swiss being aimed at maturing millennials. I've been interested in watches for forty five years, so you can work that one out. Basically, I'm born in the sixties, so I've been in, in, in love with watches for many years. I was fortunate enough that born in Africa, hence this accent, immigrated to Australia, been here 25 years, and I got the dream job in 2000. I ended up running Swatch when it was the official timekeeper to the Sydney Olympics. So homegrown Olympics, uh, unbelievable brand like Swatch, and I thought that was the be-all and end-all, um, but it was corporate, big corporate, huge corporate. And 18 months later, I became the managing director, the CEO of the Swatch Group, which for me was like going to play school every day. I just have an innate love for watches, have loved watches my entire life. So at the opposite end of the spectrum from Alex, who millennial making non-Swiss watches to an old fart like me, who's been in the, the Swiss watch game for 20 plus years. And the two of us got together, saw an opportunity in the industry, which was Alex was a little bit um, uh, looking for the next wave, the next step, a lot of stuff coming out of China, a lot of non-design stuff coming out, a lot of low-quality stuff coming out of China, a lot of stuff on Kickstarter that purported to be luxury, that often used word, abused word, I should say. But really, it was just cheap garbage out of China and other countries that will remain unnamed and even worse quality watches than China. And we resonated in a conversation about Swiss made and wondered whether we could bring Swiss made to the maturing millennials uh, at, a, at an entry price level. Um, Alex was very interested in Swiss. Uh, he was unable to access it because unlike China-made watches where you could go on Alibaba, there's no Swillibaba. There's no Swiss Alibaba equivalent. And the Swiss being very conservative, very old school, very relationship-based, very closed, very guarded. You can only get in if you've been on the inside. And thankfully, I was on the inside for many, many years. And I have many friends uh, a few enemies as well. You pick those up along the way. But um, many, many friends in the industry who, when we spoke to them, were really engaged with the idea and really engaged with Alex being a millennial who's prepared to take Swiss watches into maturing millennial generations. So for us, it was a mixture of old school Swiss, old school Graham and new age Alex and new age the fifth put the two together and we end up where we are today with the fifth Swiss. Yeah, that's uh, that, that. That's basically it. So it's it's you know it, it's been a it's been a really exciting and interesting journey. And I think that's part of the the entrepreneurial journey is always kind of looking for what is what is the opportunity and where is the gap and and kind of looking at the business from Graham's skill set and, and and my skill set and and what I had with the existing business, we were able to to kind of go. Um, you know, full head of steam at this opportunity to bring Swiss-made watches to a millennial generation. So let's talk about that that evolution of 2014, setting it up and selling, you know, products, launching on the fifth, which I love as a as a tactic and a you know a, a way to continually engage your audience in in new launches. And now, fast forward five years later, you're switching up, you know production to Swiss manufacturing, as well as, you know, building the brand to almost 200,000 likes on Facebook. Let's talk about the, the evolution of where it kind of began and what now it's evolved to based on, you know, consumer feedback. For sure. It's, um, you know, I think that, that it would be, 
it'd be good to for Graham and I to both to kind of approach this question because we'll probably come at it from different angles. But you know, for, for me, there was no millennial watch brand at the time that we started the business. There was a, a generation of people who who could appreciate watches, but there wasn't a brand there for them. They were, it was too expensive for them. We came in and we offered uh, we offered you know beautiful designs at an affordable price. And, and so we got some really good early traction with the business. And that's kind of where we established the model of selling on the fifth of every month. The demand would build up for what we had. We would release it and then we would do the same the next month. And, and we got some really good kind of engagement with that. It meant that for, you know, for all the time that we weren't selling, we could have a different relationship with the customer, which was really awesome. Um, from there, we, 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 we made a lot of moves as a business, which kind of took away from our core, but it was part of us kind of growing as a business. You know, you, you take kind of a left foot and a right foot, you know, there's no wrong foot. And it's, and it's just kind of the, the evolution of, of us moving forward was to, to try a lot of things, um, see how our market, see how our customer accepted that thing, thing that we released and then adapt to it. Um, that's where it kind of leads us to the next kind of challenge and, and the opportunity we've been working hard on for the last year, which is to bring Swiss Made to life for the millennial generation. It's something that isn't done. There is no brand out there. You know, we will be the first, the world's first, pure direct-to-consumer company to make Swiss Made watches, which is a really exciting kind of uh, positioning for us. And, you know, it, it shows how difficult it has been to to do even though it makes sense that there is a millennial there is a generation of people out there who have you know low quality product then quality that you know when they could get better quality they could pay fifty dollars more and have a really beautiful beautifully designed you know traditionally crafted piece that you know has a history behind it and really talks to kind of who they are and what they stand for. And, and that was really where we see the opportunity is to, to kind of step into a space where, where there is a generation of people looking for something better, looking for something that kind of matches their lifestyle as they kind of grow. And, and that's kind of where Graham and I are, um, are really looking at the business and, and the opportunity that this brings. So let's talk a little bit about... Go ahead. Sorry, Carol. I come from the traditional end of the market where you have the the brand owner who then sells to a distributor, who sells to a wholesaler, who sells to a retailer, who then marks up by 100% or by 100% to get a 50% margin, sometimes more. Um, they've got big retail overheads, big rents. We understand all that sort of stuff. But old school, archaic legacy systems – which are okay for the really expensive top-end brands because there's enough money in it to be able to reduce the percentage margins and still for everyone to clip the ticket. However, when you get down to entry price, entry-level watches, if we took our watches, which are made in a very well-known factory, which has to remain confidential for a variety of reasons, the watch that we'd be selling for, say, $300 Australian would, if you went through the traditional channels, would be close to $1,000. And it's the same watch. So when you look at it and you go, we've got a $1,000 watch that you're buying for $300, not because we've cut back on the, on, on the margin, on, on the quality. The quality is the same because you work from the factory price up. It's just that there aren't all these 
these these additional people with their snouts in the trough uh, taking bits and pieces. And at the end of the day, people have said to us, oh, you know, it's, it's you, you can't uh, point a finger at the retailers and, and it's unfair because you guys are online. And I go, it's, it's the, the challenge is this, is that in our opinion, it's not the fact that we're online in a traditional bricks and mortar retailer like Zales in the US or Angus and Coot here and millions of them all over the world have the, the disadvantage of being in retail with the overheads. If they gave great customer service and had the latest product all the time and moved with the market, it would be difficult for us to have a price advantage. However, with us, we've got a massive price advantage and whatever's available, you can see and buy and get shipped within a few days to your house. So you get the convenience factor as well. So we see that with the, 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 the rise in brands sold throughout Amazon and, and direct-to-consumer brands throughout the world, whereas Swiss made have not been traditionally embracing of it because of the legacy systems that they have and the tens of thousands of retailers they've got on a worldwide basis. So the challenge is, is how does brand X, I must make sure I don't mention a brand, that would be unfair. Um, how does brand X turn around and go direct to consumer, drop their price by 50% so that the factory still makes the same and just cut out all their retailers if they got 4,000 retailers worldwide? It's not something that can be done overnight. It would take 10 or 20 years, if at all. And sometimes some of these big, big successful companies, as I'm sure you know, if you've experienced big companies, it's a bit like turning the Titanic. They don't turn easily. There's entrenched thought processes. There's entrenched management, entrenched overheads. And that just all ends up in a, in a, in a more expensive product for the end consumer. With us, we've got a handful of people that run this business because we run a very, very efficient lean operation because every time we add an extra head here, um, although it might not be expensive, it's got to be translated into the cost of a product. So we don't want people paying for big fat cat salaries and big fat cat cars and fancy offices. Quite honestly, if you came to offices, you'd look at it and go, seriously, this is where you operate from? Because we understand the value of money and that whatever we spend ends up being built into the cost of the product. So we're looking at it going, can we take an old traditional conservative historic country like Switzerland, which are known to make the best watches in the world, hands down, unrefuted, since watchmaking began and bring it to a new generation at a, at a price that is not crazy expensive. And that's what we find ourselves doing. So I, I love that you're talking about, you know, in terms of the, the legacy of the business and how it was always launching a new product on the fifth of the month. What was the conversation internally to decide on using crowdfunding as a means to do the next launch? Roy, I'll tell you where, where it comes from, is that when Alex and I decided after being open-minded, Alex to listen to an old bloke like myself and, and wanting to do Swiss, we then looked at the business itself and went, okay, we need to invest quite substantially in, in stock. One, because we want stock to service our, our customers. And two, is a big investment because an investment in a Swiss watch costs a hell of a lot more than a watch made in Asia. So we looked at the risk mitigation because the... The greater the risk you've got, the greater the buffer you need to have, the margin of error, which means prices go up. And we looked at a couple of models, how we could look at manufacturing. So we sat with the guys in the factories and worked out what their MOQs were. And then 
we're looking around at the variety of ways in which we could strip out the risk. And we came across Kickstarter and looked at it and went, well, for us, there's a few things. One is we don't ever want to produce product that no one's going to buy. So a warehouse full of, of, of green watches that no one wants is a problem because we need to sell those watches. So the best way for us to get a read for what the customer wants is to go on Kickstarter, show them the 77, 75 watches, sorry. And if they hate 25 and only want 50, we won't produce the other 25. We're not caught up in our egos that we have to produce everything. We've gone through a very strict and rigorous process to design and to choose the watches. At the end of the day, we will only end up making those that our customers on Kickstarter tell us that they want. The rest, we are more than happy to junk. We hope and we believe that we, out of the 75, that the majority should be successful because we started with 300. So we've gone from 300 down to 75. So the selection process, the culling process has already happened. But at the end of the day, Roy, if we find that there's only 25 watches that people want and love, those are the 25 that we will produce. We're not clogging up the system, using up the Earth's resources, uh, hurting the planet, all that sort of stuff, shipping stuff all over the world to sit in a warehouse. doesn't make economic sense. It doesn't make sense for, for neither our consumers nor ourselves at the end of the day. So for us, we just saw Kickstarter as being a really good way at mitigating the risk and not having to take a punt on what we wanted to produce without any idea outside of historic gut feel and instinct. Yeah, and it's a beautiful way, right, to, to market test designs, demand, and style. And, you know, launching this many products and SKUs, certainly it's going to help, uh, you know, in terms of the development and cost when you guys bring these products to market and ship to your community. Definitely. I think it's also it's also a really interesting one because we do have a successful brand already. We've got an existing cu customer base who loves what we do. So for us, this is a it is a departure from what our business is at the moment. So as mu as much as it is de-risking for the product, it's also de-risking for the brand because we can try this campaign on a different platform. You know, we really believe in the opportunity and we've put everything into kind of making it, a, a actualizing it. But, you know, if, 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 the, if people don't want it, that, that's okay. We've got an existing business and, and we've got a really happy, loyal customer base. So for us, it was kind of taking a big uh, pivotal kind of, you know, thing that we're doing and, and trying it on a different platform. And that cap platform, you know, after, after looking around and talking about the opportunity, Kickstarter just seemed right. So we talk a lot about on the show, you know, the preparation and leading up to the Kickstarter launch. And, you know, I know today's an exciting day where we're about to hit the button and get this thing going. So talk a little bit about the, the prep work leading up to the Kickstarter campaign that may have been a little bit different than a typical launch that you've done previously. That's a, that's a funny one, Roy, because our business has always worked on this kind of build up to release and then a release. And that's kind of what we what we were, we were very non-traditional and, and I think that was part of our strength early days and it was our point of difference that, that made us really kind of edgy and, and willing to try different things. We, we first launched the business at 12 a.m. Australia time and our, most of our customer base was in Australia. So, so, you know, we were always doing things a bit differently. You needed to get a passcode to the store 
and all of our marketing efforts would happen throughout the month and then we would know when the, the campaign release and the hype was there and people were getting their products and they were really super excited about it that, that we knew in the first few minutes whether we did a good job. So it's kind of in, in many respects we've been uh, training for a platform like Kickstarter where it's a big build-up there's a lot of anticipation for the release and and then we you know we get to offer it and um and and you know we're really excited on Kickstarter because it's been it's it's helped us kind of put a you know put everything in line you know focus to kind of a pivotal point and and just having even that movie piece um, which I'm really excited to release and 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 excited for people to to see because it explains the the journey and you get to see how many people actually are involved in uh, in making a watch and and all of that happening in Switzerland, which is really exciting. So you know we're really excited to to kind of release that on Kickstarter. There's there's not only the product for people to buy, but there's the content for people to enjoy and and. You know, we're we're really excited for that. So you know, it's been a big build up. I think we've had twenty five thousand people sign up to the campaign, which was awesome. And you know, the interest has just been really great. So so we're really excited to release it. Yeah, and we're definitely excited over on this side as well. I know you've been working with our agency Inventus Partners for a while now. Just for our audience's sake, what were some of the biggest con- uh, considerations that you guys went through when considering what agency to partner with on this launch? Uh, really, Roy, it's 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 something better answered by Blake. Unfortunately, you can't get Blake. I'm looking at him through the window here because, and he's smiling at us and waving. He's got a good hour or so before this thing goes live. In essence, we left it to Blake to go out to the market and he's head of our marketing to go out to the market and, and, and do some due diligence on, on a number of companies. Um, what, what swung it for, for you guys? One is the openness and decency and honesty and integrity when it came to the question times. There were, he never felt that when he was speaking with Reed that anything was being held back or was bullshitted about. It just seemed like you guys were, as we say in Australia, fed income. They were straight up. Also, at the end of the day, you have run some or been involved in some of the biggest and most successful Kickstarter campaigns in the history of Kickstarter. That's a big benefit to us, a big plus. And also, you had some really great uh, success in in being involved with some of the really most successful Kickstarter watch campaigns, which is right up our alley. So the main thing is is gut feel we're at the other end of the world speaking with with reed and your team just gave us a sense of comfort that you guys were the right people to get and to get married to and that really was once once we then looked at all the attendant benefits the fact that you've been so successful in the past been so successful at other watch campaigns it for us was was a no-brainer and when i came out to see your team in may june i think it was Again, everything that we had had during the discussions was was backed up face to face. Really friendly, really decent team who know what they're doing, and especially so when we've had we've had a couple of hiccups towards the end now, just with regards to getting set up and bank accounts and overseas, and it's a bit of a distance, the journey of distance and the fourteen hour time difference. Mm-hmm. So early morning for you right now, but eleven pm for us. Um, things that are mitigating and working against us, and I got to say this much. Your team have been exemplary. I mean, Emily Sawyer is, if she wants to come work in Australia, she's got a job here, period. 
That's how good they are. So <laughs> in essence, it was just the feeling from Blake that he received from Reed and the fact that there was nothing to be hidden and it was upfront and truthful about every question we had asked, including some of the probing ones. Um, they were answered with professionality and, and, and respect. Well, I love hearing all that feedback, Graham. I really do appreciate it. With that, this is going to get us into our launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions. Alex, I believe you drew the short straw. So are you good to go? Yep, I'm ready. <laughs> all right. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? I really think that it was a lack of progression in my current job and, and, and I'd kind of gone as far as I had gone and there was something that I was passionate about. There was kind of a burning desire to do something inside of me um, and, I, and it took me for a while to actually figure that out, what that was. I originally started a design blog. I tried to sell products on that blog. And, and then those things didn't work and then I started a watch business. So, it was, it was kind of a, a feeling that I had inside and then I just kind of kept kind of moving closer towards that feeling which led to, uh, to a successful business. So, Alex, if you could meet any entrepreneur throughout history, who would you want to ski the Swiss Alps with? Oh, wow. Um, um, look, I'm, I'm reading some really, really good books at the moment. Um, and, but, but, you know, for a lot of successful entrepreneurs and, and, you know, there's some great ones out there, but probably, probably Richard Branson takes it for me. He's just got such a good approach to the way he does business and a good attitude and uh, a good hunger for living life to the fullest. And, um, yeah, I really admire a lot of those traits. What would be your first question for Sir Richard Branson? Oh, um, my first question for him would be, would be what's been the most pivotal point in his career? You know, I think that, that we all have moments where we can kind of, we have a feeling and, and we can kind of acknowledge those moments. And I think in the entrepreneurial journey, you have epiphanies along the way where, you know, like coming to this this opportunity where we're going going at, it's it's pretty ludicrous to to try and take on the big, you know, Swiss made watch brands. It's pretty silly, and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of investment. But something in 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 you know in in kind of Graham and I meeting made us think that we could do it. So. You know, there there is that, you know, something I admire is that he's 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 ballsy and, and you know, he's willing to, to go after that that opportunity. So, you know, for me, I I really uh you know would be interested to kind of understand what pivotal points in in his career he can, can talk about and then, you know, how did things translate from there? So you mentioned you've been reading a few entrepreneurial books. Any any that you would recommend to our listeners? I'm uh, well. I'm I'm just handed Graham, good to great. But I'm also uh, reading the, the I've just read Shoe Dog, which is is a great book, and I'm reading the um, the autobiography for UG. Nice. I think Shoe Dog is a book that every entrepreneur and startup founder definitely should read. Definitely. Where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> heli skiing in in switzerland um there we go. no like 
<laughs> you know, I, I've got a real a real taste for uh, a real thirst for um, pushing the boundaries in in kind of all areas. So, um, yeah, anything extreme sports is is me. But you know, I'm really excited about this next journey of the business. You know, pushing somewhere where nobody else has gone before. That's what excites me. That's what that that's what you know, makes it easy for us to jump on these calls at 11 o'clock at night, you know, night after night. It's what kind of drives drives me and makes me passionate about what we're doing here is doing something that nobody else has done before. We love that. Last question, Alex, and I know we haven't launched the campaign yet, but I'll ask anyway. What is the future? What does the future of crowdfunding look like? Wow. You know, I, I have to be honest. I, it's not a question that I've I've given a lot of thought to um i throughout the journey of creating this campaign i've you know i've 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 loved that you can have an idea you can have something that you know you've you've really you're passionate about and you can put that something out there and see if other people are passionate about it too i think that you know we're we're in the point where we're got our Facebook groups up and running for our release and and we're seeing, you know, 500 comments plus in those Facebook groups and they're all from people we have not met before and they're people who are supporting our vision and I think that that crowdfunding is, is a really kind of great platform in the sense that you can put up an idea and, and, and you can have other people who have that need, who have that, you know, who want to see that idea come to life and you know, I think it's it's you know it's a real, um, you know it's a it's an awesome platform for people to push their ideas and connect with people who might be into those ideas too. So, you know, from my experience to date, um, Roy, it's been it's been really awesome. But uh, yeah, I will I will I'll probably give you a much better answer after the campaign. <laughs> I, look, I look forward to interviewing both of you guys after that. Uh, and with that, this gets us to the end, but this is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch, tell people what you're all about, where people should go, and why they should check you out. For sure. Do you, do you want to both take that, Graham? Or, or, so, you know, our coming into this, our goal is to connect traditional craftsmanship with contemporary culture, meaning the history, the beauty, the the design, the the world of Swiss made and and give that to millennial generation who are missing that. You know, I think we're in the day and age where it's, you know, watches have lost their 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 meaning in a little bit, that they're now a fashion piece, but watches are so much more than that. And 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 the world of Swiss has so much history and so much beauty and there's so much storytelling, like down to every tiny little detail of our watch. We've carefully crafted it. You know, we've got a bespoke five-sided crown that was inspired by Graham's and, and, and my connection over vintage Amigas. Graham's uh, father actually won a vintage const- uh, Amiga Constellation Grand Lux in a game of poker, which sparked Graham's love for watches. And my dad had a vintage Amiga too, which, you know, really uh, influenced my love of watches. So... There is a, such a story in watches. There's such a history. And, you know, when, when people look down at their wrists, we want them to be reminded of that history. You know, there's values that can drive people forward in life. They're more than a fashion item. So for us, it's really connecting that beauty of an industry 
with a contempt with a contemporary culture, a millennial generation who haven't had that before. So that's really our goal here, and you know we're really excited to launch that on Kickstarter and and see how people respond to it. But the response so far has been really awesome. Well, Graham and Alex, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, audience, for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to the campaign, and everything else we talked about today. And, of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and BackerKit. Graham and Alex, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it, and of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.